Hello and welcome to Earth Calling. We're your hosts, Ed and Laszlo. Every week we bring you a fresh slice of online content, sorting through the likes, the memes, the insta-queens, the swipes, the scrolls, and the Twitter trolls. Together, we're laying down our 21st century digital legacy. So sit back, relax, and buckle in. This is Earth Calling. Welcome back, Earth Callers. Great to have you with us again. This Willkommen. episode. What? Willkommen. Willkommen, yeah. <laughs> Welcome back. Thanks, Ed, for that. This week, Ed and I decided to have a look at the vanquisher of the Venetian, the pulverizer of the Premier Inn, the eradicator and humbler of hotels, Airbnb. Wow, now, what, uh, quite a quite a sort of alliterative uh, yeah. ensemble there. Uh, ensemble indeed. I, I was tempted to describe it as the provider of accommodation for me on that trip when I went to Budapest to visit a girl who I thought was still in love with me, but definitely wasn't because she had a boyfriend. But uh, <laughs> I left out that. Well, then I actually included it just now. So we digress. So Airbnb, that amazing platform, which all of us have used to, you know, find ourselves cheap accommodation in foreign cities. Ed, maybe you can tell us a bit about how, how it all started. I'd be delighted to. So as is so often the case with these introductory remarks, our story starts in California. Yippee! <laughs> in San Francisco, of course, the uh, heart of the startup scene. And we cast our minds back to 2007, which I actually thought was surprisingly long time ago for, for the founding of Airbnb. Yeah. And Brian Chesky and Joe Gebbia had just moved there from New York without any employment, and they were having a lot of trouble paying their rent. And what oh they my realized... god, tell me about it, San Fran! It's oh my like, god, <laughs> are you even serious? Like, I just moved from New York, and I thought New York was bad. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, no, the rent is too damn high in San Fran, and. They noticed that all hotel rooms in the city would get booked up as local kind of conferences came to town. So if there was a big conference, all the hotels would be booked and therefore the cost of the hotel rooms would go through the roof. So to make some money, they thought, well, why don't we buy a few air beds and oh, we're yes. going to provide breakfast to the people Hang on a stay. second, hang on a yeah, second. Hang, okay. This is actually the first time I've made the connect. It's Is that... It's an airbed, Airbnb, yep. airbed. Exactly. That, so they... that is so... That's... Oh, I'm such an idiot, actually, rather than that being genius. It's more that I'm Well, I, no, to be fair, you know, I, I didn't make the connection myself either. So they bought some airbeds, you know, uh, blew them up and put them on the floor. And they started charging guests to stay over during conferences. And I think they charged $80 per person per night. And the first Airbnb guests were born. And it was, according to this article, a 30-year-old Indian man, a 35-year-old woman from Boston, Massachusetts, and a 45-year-old father of four from Utah. 
was he, not clear was he as to what with his yes, <laughs> was he there with his four children or yeah. you also mentioned that that was where the first Airbnb guests were born was it also yeah. where the, the first children of Airbnb guests were conceived <laughs> it would have been a rather awkward room so they're all sleeping <laughs> on the floor on these airbeds and it's it's an interesting mix of all these people perhaps they bonded over the fact they're all going to the same conference but uh, the yeah. Bostonian was there probably. Uh, cracked a few jokes about growing up in the projects and then you had the Utah gentleman who was perhaps a Mormon Mormon and then the 30 year old Indian man um, who we won't do an accent for because um, we don't want to be cancelled but he was also there and that kicked off what has grown into a global phenomenon. And what I what I think super interesting is that Airbnb, along with Uber, which was uh, getting going at a similar time, these two companies pioneered the sense of trusting strangers. Because yes, go back to that time, like if I'd said to my mum, "Look, mum, I'm going to Prague, and I'm actually just going to turn up to a Czech man's house." Um, and I'm going to sleep on his sofa and pay him for the pleasure, she would have said, absolutely not, Edward. Yeah, I also think that you probably would have shown your mother, you know, his profile picture on the website. And I don't know, I just think profile pictures probably have, have probably evolved quite a lot in mm. 14 years. So, you know, you probably see a total of eight pixels of this Czech guy kind of gr- <laughs> grinning to the camera, looking like a bit of a psycho because back then the selfie wasn't very widespread either. So he's literally having to turn around his camera. Yeah, he's, yeah. Only, he's only caught half of his face, and your mum's there thinking that guy literally looks like he's just been re- released from the you know Prague penitentiary on a three-year parole. Exactly, and I mean, I-, I suppose you know it did start off as something where you would stay with other people, but now it's become I would say something where you'd often rent the entire apartment and. I don't know, have you, have you ever had an experience where you've been in an Airbnb that somebody else is actually living in, or have you always like rented the entire place? Yeah, no, I, I mean, in the, on that very trip to Hungary, the I, I like to call it my heartbreaking Hungary trip. Uh, <laughs> copyright. Um, yes, I stayed with a charming Hungarian woman called Katya, who served me Roybosch tea on my arrival. Mm, gave delicious. Me a, gave me a little historical sum, summary of the city. Don't ask me to repeat it now, but I'm pretty sure it's kind of chopped in half with Buddha and Pest. That's basically all I remember. But anyway, yes. So I think that was actually the very first time I did one of these homestays. And since then, I've done the more kind of, you know, whole whole house to stay in. But there is this certain charm of, of knowing that you're really basically being someone's roommate for those three days. And it's really mm. nice because it's, they're also basically your local guide in some respects. Well, that's what they, that's what they sort of pitch themselves as, isn't it, Airbnb? So they want to give the millennials and of course we want to have an authentic experience because we try to self-actualize and you know we want to live like a local that is their that's their motto but we don't want to live too you know we we want certain creature comforts yeah. like we want to live like a local yeah. but in the sense that it looks exactly. good on instagram we don't actually you also, know exactly authentic but preferably with a bathtub please exactly Thanks. it needs yeah. to have a standalone bathtub needs to have towels needs to have soap yeah and it should look nice yeah. So yeah, um, but I think wrap, you know wrap you're... around balcony, just really authentic though. Wrap around balcony would be yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah. But I think your experience sounds sounds good. I mean, I, I do have an example of when I once stayed in an Airbnb with um, some other people who 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 it belonged to, and it was slightly different. It was in the Malasanya district of Madrid. <laughs> 
And I, uh, I turned Let up. Let me just take a second to take offence on behalf of all Spanish people for your, <laughs> for your pronunciation of those two places. But please continue. Uh, lo siento, lo siento. Is that sorry? I think maybe not. Lo siento, yeah, of course. Yeah, wow. I, I was about to say Kanyeshna in Russian, the Russian yeah. word for of course. Yeah, you know, sometimes you've got too many languages floating around there. It's just hard, isn't it? Shut yeah. up, you dick. Um, so I was in Malasanya and I'd chosen this Airbnb because it was, to be quite honest, it was cheap. And I rocked up mm. and it turned out that it was being lived in by a bunch of students. And I met the guy at the door, um, let's call him Pablo. And he said, uh, hola, hello, Eduardo, we have been expecting you. Um, that makes him sound very camp, but he, wa- he wasn't. Um, and he said, uh, oh, come through to the, uh, to the living area. And I went through and there was literally a cage full of rats in his living room. And he was like, oh, don't mind the rats. They are uh, not, uh, they are not dangerous. They are, uh, they are fancy rats, we call them. And I was like, okay, well, they look a lot like rats to me, although they were white. So they were sort of, so know, what does fa- so what pre- yeah what precisely does fancy rats mean? <laughs> like so they you know they were basically sipping tea, smoking on cigar. <laughs> yeah, exactly, One yeah, of them had a yeah. monocle. Who's like ah, <laughs> Edward, we have been expecting you today. Come on in. I feel I feel so embarrassed. I'm not wearing my morning suit. <laughs> um, so exactly, and it was weird. And they showed me into this room, and and the room I think belonged to one of their flatmates who was what belonged the to weekend. the fucking rats i'll tell you that for free <laughs> and it belonged to one of their flatmates and you know all of her kind of photos of her family were up and it was it was quite odd um so I, apart from that i've typically gone for the slightly more sterile approach where you turn up there's a lock box and you go into a flat and yeah i think there's nothing more aligned with a millennial sense of comfort and pleasure than just ticking that entire home or place, you know, yeah. uh, op- option on Airbnb. It's kind of like, oh, what? Sh- sh- sharing? No, no, not sure that's quite up my street. Yeah. Entire yeah. home, please. But it is interesting that there has been such a pivot away from the standardization of an overnight stay. Because if you look back to our parents' generation, I think the likes of the Sheratons, the Intercontinentals, the Holiday Inns, the Travel Lodgers, they prided themselves on uniformity and everything being exactly the same no matter where in the world you were. And that was extremely attractive in those days, especially if you're a business person, because you would turn up at the Sheraton in Tokyo and you wouldn't know where the hell you were and you'd be feeling extremely culturally disoriented but you'd go into your room and you'd be like oh my god it's like being in the Sheraton in Chicago because (laughs) the soap is the Sheraton soap and I recognize the smell and I'm completely institutionalized and I get my wake-up call from reception um yeah so I think but to be be fair I think I think I can understand that because especially in, in the case of business trips what you're doing already is quite disorienting. You're traveling around lots of different places. Mm. And I think you actually do want something that is just stable. You know, you want this stability. Um, yeah, to to whereas... be fair, you don't want to be with Pablo and his rats. <laughs> exactly. exactly. It's like, you know, the next day you're presenting an incredibly important conference on the, <laughs> the particularities of, of neurosurgery in the over 60 market of Denmark. And then, you, you know, you've got Niche. Pablo's... Yeah, more, you know, fancy rats who are try, try, trying to serve you up eggs Benedict. And, uh, yeah. I've made some huevos rotos for you today. Um, and, and huevos then revueltos, if yeah, you're just saying the, and, the and word for like, scrambled eggs. Edward, you seem to have a sort of, have you got a new family? Oh no, that's actually Sarah's family. I'm just in her bedroom. Oh, who's that? It's a long story. Um, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. you're right. Especially in the in the days of of Zoom work calls, exactly. you don't want to be on a on a business trip with um, you know. I just, by the way, when when I when you told me about these six rats, I did imagine that they've each got their own personal exercise wheel in the cage. So I kind of <laughs> see them in the background of your picture, all just kind of spinning around. They're not Elegantly, on an exercise wheel, mate. They're definitely on a peloton. They've got a peloton yes. set up inside, <laughs> yes, um, yes. and they, yeah, they've traded up, and they've all got a little TV, iPad, a whole bloody velodrome. Well, I, I want to talk about a couple of my meanderings on Airbnb in preparation for today. And what I what I basically did, Earth Callers, was I tried to dig out really, really bad reviews on Airbnb because I was sure that they existed, right? I remember in the past browsing through Airbnb in, in different cities and coming across, you know, someone absolutely slagging off Thierry, who, whose flat was dirty and full of, you know, little breadcrumbs because he's a baker and he doesn't have time to whatever, you know. What, why is this sort of dirty gentleman French out of interest? <laughs> That's totally coincidental. Okay. To, to our French viewers, we really, really just just uh, really take pride in your culture. Yeah. Um, on excuse, pride pardon, pardon. Uh, pardon. So what I did was I naturally ventured forth into Siberia. Oh. To to the little city known as Omsk. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I am, Omsk. I've actually been to Omsk. Um, Have Omsk. you really been to Omsk? Yes. Okay, uh, please te- tell us about Omsk. <laughs> so, so Omsk, as Laszlo says, is a little known town in the centre of Siberia. And its claim to fame is quite unique in the sense that it is where Dostoevsky, the great Russian writer was exiled to having tried to take part in the Decemberist uprising. Um, and so, yeah, Omsk <laughs> is, is really not where you want to be spending your time. It was literally chosen as, like, one of the worst places in all of, you know, 19th century Russia. And right. we spent we spent. And, and just to, just, to, just to quickly educate our viewers who might not know, but 19th century Russia was not in a better state than 21st century Russia, just to be quite clear on that. Exactly. And we spent three days there, and it has a Dostoevsky museum, and you go to that and go, yeah, confirmed, wouldn't have been much fun here. And then it has a bowling alley. Well, well, you also do confirmed, confirmed, I'm pretty sure I can leave Omsk now. Yeah. <laughs> okay, tick that. Yeah. And, and we actually stayed in the train station because uh, we couldn't find oh. an Airbnb or a hotel. So it's interesting to hear that there are Airbnb, Airbnbs there now. Um, well, that, there are. And this is so I was, you know, of course, in pursuit of the random and rogue to try and dig out these awful Airbnb reviews. And I was I even, you know, you know how there are many of these filters on each listing. So you mm. can filter for Wi-Fi, towels, mm-hmm, whatever. Mm-hmm. I even tried try to find the worst MBs by filtering for all sorts of obscure stuff. So I was looking for entire homes in Omsk where pets and smoking were allowed. Both <laughs> pets and smoking. So you can take your Labrador who's just been rolling around in the mud, get him inside, light up a cigarette in the hallway and just be like, oh, it's good to be in Omsk. Yeah, or um, more likely your bear if we're playing to the Russian stereotype. Yes, you've, yeah, your bear, uh, your trombone playing bear. Yeah. And, and also I wanted, of course, along with allowing pets and smoking, I wanted the very simple luxuries of having some shampoo and an iron. And, an iron, uh, an iron. Yeah, what, you're, on a, you're on a business very, meeting in Omsk. I've got a very bus- important business meeting in Omsk, and I was so disappointed because all of the reviews were were really nice and charming. You know, the lowest I found was three point three stars, but nobody had actually said anything about why it was kind of slightly under par. 
Um, and in, in one of the Airbnbs, I, I flicked through the photos, and one of the photos literally contained a photo of the iron, which was, <laughs> which was featured, which was featured in the. In the was it a nice iron? So, what did it look good? I mean, it looks pretty good. I'm just looking at it again. It's it's a yellow iron. Mm. Uh, it's it's got a matching yellow drying rack. Beautiful. Leaning on the wall behind it, on this exposed brick wall, so it's kind of really showing off this photo. Exposed, exposed brickwork. Brick. Christ, I mean, Omsk has really changed since 2011. I mean, Jesus. Yeah, these days, you know, Dostoevsky, if he, he was exiled, yeah. he might well think, <laughs> well, at least if I'm exiled, then please give me, you know, two-bedroom homestay with panoramic city view. <laughs> uh, I need to uh, iron my detachable I mean, collar. Sorry, Edward, Edward, as a oh. scholar of Russian yourself, you can do better than that. You started off like sorry. a bloody Spaniard again. Yeah. It's like, I want to... You sounded like Manuel from Faulty Towers. I would like to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Reminds me of My Fair Lady when, um, what's his name? Henry Higgins is coaching mm-hmm. the lady, what's her name? Move your blooming ass. <laughs> Eliza Doolittle. Eliza. Exactly. He's coaching her on, on the H in, yes. in words like Hertfordshire, Herefordshire. And he says, in Hertfordshire, Herefordshire, New Hampshire, hurricanes hardly ever happen. And she says, well, I think I can do that. In Hertfordshire, <laughs> Herefordshire, New Hampshire, hurricanes hardly ever happen. Oh, nice. Yeah, there's a little bit of Michael Caine coming in there as well, wasn't there? <laughs> Tiny bit of Michael Caine's yeah. niece, but... <laughs> the rain in Spain yeah, <laughs> falls mainly... In the plane, Master Bruce. Yeah. Um, oh come yeah. on! You had Master Wayne right in front of you. Oh, how Christ. could you not have done that? The rain in Spain falls mainly in the Wayne, Master Plane. <laughs> David Blaine. Okay, so I was disappointed. So I was disappointed about Omsk. So naturally, I moved on to Omsk's older brother, and you can probably tell me whether yes. he's Omsk is more badass or more kind of. Um, pleasant older brother Tomsk. Yes, so Tommy Tomsk. So I can tell you that we um, on, on did our, you go to Tomsk as well. We we actually decided that Tomsk was too <laughs> random. So that that gives you a bit of a sense. Sorry, so, after Omsk, yeah. you decided Tomsk was too random, right? <laughs> so there's Omsk, Tomsk, and also Tobolsk is the other one, which is um, very very nearby. Well, nearby by Russian standards, i.e., a day on a train. Um, and uh, and yeah, we didn't go to Tomsk. I think we probably had enough of this sort of uh, yeah Russian Siberian experience after after Omsk. But uh, but tell me about Tomsk. Did you find any anything anything there? Well, so I wasn't I wasn't as you know uh, demanding about the Airbnbs here. I I simply asked that they had hangers and a carbon monoxide detector. Uh, Quite you know, niche to... carbon monoxide detector. I don't know if I've got one of those. But I think I think it's one of those things. Which you definitely have, but nobody refers to it as carbon monoxide detector. I think it probably comes as part of your smoke alarm kind of deal. Mm. So again, so Tomsk frustrated me in, in terms of the Airbnbs because again, you know, just good good reviews from both Russians and travellers saying Svetlana was a wonderful communicator and uh, I found the rats in the cage to be very fancy, very elegant. <laughs> um, but, uh, overall, would definitely recommend. So again, I was, you know, I, I couldn't find this poor review um and and then i just and then the only basically noteworthy thing i found was when i decided to actually look at the experiences available in tomsk and for people who don't know airbnb now has launched these experiences so Mm -hmm. you can go to a random city and have a you know 
a local take you to some art galleries uh, for a fee or they can you know take you on i i actually funny you should mention experiences because i went to rabat in morocco and mm. i was there on my own and i looked up whether there were any experiences that i could do and there was one and it was um an afternoon of cooking with a local uh, and so I Very decided nice. in my sort of millennial quest for authentic experiences to do this. We went to the market and then um, this you, lovely um... lady took me back to her house and I met her her son. Um, she was actually married to an American basketball player. And I sort of thought, ah, can I kind of get my money back? This is not... <laughs> um, uh, and she spoke very good English, which was you know, on the one hand, extremely good because I could then understand what she was cooking and she yeah. was explaining, you need to just, uh, you know, <laughs> julienne those vegetables or whatever. <laughs> um, you need to just, can you just pass me the mandolin, actually? Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, the, she had a very, very nice um, American what, husband. What did, what did you make? Did you make um, Welsh rabbit? <laughs> we can have some Welsh rabbits, but uh, no, no, we had a tagine, of course. That was I mean, a pun I've... on rabbit, by the way. But yeah. oh, missed that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. Apologies. No, we had a we had a rabbit tagine. Yeah, that was because yeah. that was. See, a... I I thought yeah. about rabbit stew, but I thought about uh, rabbit. Would be... yeah. I mean, if I if I hadn't got a tagine, I would have I would have definitely asked for a refund. <laughs> but I gave her a five star review. You got a very American tagine. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I actually also did do an experience in, in Lisbon, which was also a cooking experience. And unlike you, I didn't complain at the, the English level of the of the cooks because this is quite important, Edward, to actually <laughs> learning anything. If, if it had all been in Arabic, you might not have come away with the excellent tagine recipe, which I'm sure you've now made for many of your dinner party guests. Uh, yes. But um, I, I also had this experience of, of feeling drastically out of place with, you know, all these kind of 45-year-old women who were basically pros in the kitchen or you know cr- cracking eggs with one hand and then <laughs> the, whole, the whole room the whole room turned to me as it was my turn to crack my egg in the bowl <laughs> and i was kind of shaking with both hands on the egg <laughs> and i'm quite good at cracking eggs but i cracked it and the shell just went everywhere straight in and everyone's just sort of tutting with a knowing look to I each other like, mm. i know yeah. oh joanna yeah. okay you invite this man to, uh, to portugal okay but but, but so, we but we return we return to Tomsk. To Tomsk. So I I did find it amusing that Tomsk has a total of one Airbnb experience available to the itinerant business people in search of fun things to do. And it's just simply called On Historic Tomsk. <laughs> so it's it's already leaving leaving quite a lot to interpretation, you know. It's not quite sure in what sense this this is this means uh, yeah. on. Well, um, I mean, and the other the other sort of question is, I mean, you know, not to throw shade at Tomsk and all of our listeners in Tomsk, but the the history of Tomsk is probably a relatively <laughs> short. Um, yes, you know, I, I think would, it I would was describe it as perfunctory. Yes, yeah, to use a fancy word. So, so this experience is available to anyone who passes through Tomsk for the very humble price of five pounds per person. Uh, the photo is a very snowed under Tomsk. It looks like it's got around 12 feet of snow. And it's hosted by Yuri. Of course, it's hosted by Yuri, <laughs> <laughs> who, who speaks English and Russian. And I just like the very brief description of this, of this experience. <clears throat> it says, meet your host Yuri, host on Airbnb since 2011. Legit. Has he got a blue tick? Legit. He's got a, a red tick identity verified, so mm-hmm. they've, they've checked he's a real person. 
and the, the description is, I have philological education. I know the history of the city well. I perfectly orient myself in it. And I drive a car. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I'm, I, I'm reading that thinking he is ticking all the boxes. <laughs> yeah. He literally, yeah. yeah. He also he also spelled Orient quite amusingly. I'm not sure if this was a pun with a capital O. Ah, so oh, nice. Playing on the fact that you know this is uh, in the Orient. Siberia, of course, in the clutches of both Europe and Asia, and therefore, yes. yeah, mm-hmm. it's very Russia playful. Russia itself strewn in some mm. identity crisis. Mm-hmm. So, so I I think the the only thing to wrap up on Tomsk is that if you do want to go on this on this walking tour hosted by Yuri, you should just bear in mind that it will be minus 26 degrees when you do embark mm. on this trip. So wrap up warm, Earth Callers. Hop inside Yuri's 1984 Lada Zhiguli. Very rogue Soviet Union car reference, but it really checks out, so don't worry. And enjoy the city. Meanwhile, I decided to look into some of the weirder and wackier Airbnbs that you can stay in around the world, notwithstanding the wackiness of, of downtown Omsk, of course. But I wanted to find some really wonderful, unique experiences. And I came across the following. So we have, first up, a romantic bubble tent in Tampaksiring, Bali. Um, <laughs> and, w- well, I'll just pause there. What do you think a romantic bubble tent in Bali might involve? <laughs> well, in COVID times, to me, a romantic bubble tent is just, you know, a, co- a convenient way of staying with your support group during a pandemic and, uh, and enjoying the view. But I'm not uh, sure quite what it means here. Yeah, exactly. Romantic bubble in COVID is a sort of um, something that <laughs> That's you... That's just you yeah. having a girlfriend yeah, or yeah. a boyfriend, basically. But so the romantic bubble tent is... <laughs> literally it, it looks like if somebody got some fairy liquid and sort of blown through it into the air to create a, a bubble and it's got a bed in it and that's all that there is inside it but it's perched atop a beautiful cliff which has an amazing view over a series of rice paddies classic barley balinese should i say a balinese view <laughs> and it looks like an instagrammer's paradise because it has a beautiful view and a beautiful swing and a beautiful uh, infinity pool. And you can actually, even in the photo, there is what looks to be an influencer on the swing, kind of swinging out over these yeah. Balinese rice paddies, hashtag yeah. blessed, hashtag Bali, hashtag God knows what. Um, and what I, the reason I wants to raise this is that I would feel extremely uncomfortable sleeping in this bubble, uh, given it's completely exposed to the elements and literally anyone who's wandering past, especially given it's yeah. a romantic bubble. I mean, you know. Yeah, I'm, I mean, it doesn't sound that... I mean, is there a light in this bubble? Is yeah, it, it looks like there's a light, to, yeah. So so with the light on at night, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's fair game. Anyone can just peep in. For sure. I mean, yeah. In lit- which case, it's quite the view for those labourers in the rice paddies, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, they're in the rice yeah. paddies thinking, oh, here we go. There's another influencer couple. Great. Quite the view for the orangutans as well, who yes. are probably sort of in the trees thinking, hmm, is that... Yeah. Okay. Um, right. <laughs> they're thinking. They're thinking. I'm sure they didn't learn that from us. <laughs> those, 
Is that really? Is that where we? Yeah. Is that where we got to? God. Uh. Ooh, ooh, Sarah. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> we should try that sometime. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> really, Gerald? Ooh, really? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Mark. <laughs> Mark, I was just thinking we could oh, oh, spice things up in the, oh, oh, in the bedroom. And, uh. Uh. So another one I wanted to touch on was simply titled, or is simply titled, True Plain in Le Haut Village, France. Um, now, <laughs> this is essentially a plane that is converted into an Airbnb in somebody's garden in the south of France. And I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking of a sort of 747, maybe, or yeah. quite a large, yeah. like maybe a cool yeah, G6, yeah. like two, private two jet. Floors. Exactly, two, two floors. floors. Yeah. So you're probably imagining a slightly different plane to what I'm looking at, <laughs> which is basically a small... Um, I'd call it maybe a Cessna. Uh, my plane knowledge is pretty limited, but I think it's probably a Cessna. And it's got like... Right, cl- so your plane knowledge is limited, but you still came up with the name Cessna. Okay, well, it's, it's probably... Good. Okay, it's probably a Cessna 104, fine. Um, <laughs> there we go. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's got a collapsible bunk bed that they've like... It's a single bed that's been collapsed down from the side and very narrow. And then it's got two chairs and a desk. And that is it. Um, so it's not right. a sort of business class situation where you. How much does it cost? Uh, it costs one hundred and twenty dollars, and it okay, also so says one. One could a... argue you're mainly paying for the novelty. Yeah, you definitely are paying for the novelty, and presumably you're next to a Frenchman's house who's um, <laughs> just like watching you, or maybe maybe he's the captain. Is sort of. Good morning, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, welcome to the south of France. We will be passing over uh, Nice on our left. If you look out on the right side of the plane, you will see, I don't know what, but... Uh... That reminds me, I just love British pilots and how they all seem to have the exact same voice. Kind yeah. of like... <laughs> La- ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for flying Ryanair. Uh, we've just landed at London Heathrow. The, the air temperature is quite cool. Um, and for those visiting, have a fantastic stay. And if you are coming home, then welcome back. Uh, <laughs> thanks very much and see you next time. With the sort of uh, safety announcements before flight where it's like, in the event of a landing on water, oxygen masks will deploy from the ceiling. Please fit your own mask before helping those around you. Slides will deploy from the left and right side of the aircraft. And do please remain <laughs> calm whilst next. It's like, mate, in the event of a landing on water, let's, let's cut the shit. I don't think we're going to be like, oh, which one was my nearest exit again? Because I'm going to want to walk out of that exit onto the water, just like Jesus, and just skip along back to the bank. (laughs) The plane's crash is like, please remove your shoes before uh, boarding the slide. Sharon, I can see you at the back there. Get those heels off. They're going to pop the bloody raft. Um, yeah. But if I look, if I'm gonna go out of this world, I'm gonna go out with a bloody bang, okay? So don't tell me to take my sh- my fucking heels off. <laughs> if I'm meeting my maker, I'm wearing my Louboutins, okay? Um, yeah. That you can yeah you can imagine the 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 drinks trolley which actually wouldn't fit down this uh, extremely small plane, but perhaps it would come round in the, in the, in the morning. So. Coffee or tea? Coffee or tea? Yeah, got some coffee or tea served. Dark milk for that. Yeah. Um, I'll have a Bloody Mary, please. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't know why the passenger has that kind of nasal voice. Everyone in this plane has uh, got COVID. All had the same. <laughs> yeah, like, all got the same nasal voice. Yeah, but the the other weird thing about being on a plane is that everybody's drinking tomato juice. Why is that? Yes. Well, that's why I said Bloody Mary, by the way. Because yeah, exactly. Bloody, Bloody Mary is, is a cocktail that you literally only order when you're, you know, thirty six. Yeah. For the rest of your life, you drink gin and tonic and lager, and you're on a plane. And you sort of look. I wish I could any drinks with that, sir. And he's like, you know what? <laughs> I will have. I'll have a tomato juice, please. Yeah. And then from nowhere, you know, the, and there's not a single piece of fresh food on the flight. And then from nowhere, there, the guy just <laughs> takes a big fucking sword of celery and just, just cuts a bit, of, cuts a bit off the top and dunks it. It's like, there you go, sir. Oh, sir, would you like some ground cinnamon on top? Like, what the bloody? <laughs> I don't mind well, if I do. Um, yeah. yeah, and ent- interestingly, I am actually going to answer my own question there because I've just remembered that when you supposedly when you're airborne, your taste perception changes and your sense of smell also changes and of course they're very interlinked the olfactory glands and um, as a result things like tomato juice taste more umami um, when you're in a plane so and that's also why i don't know if you found this but in economy class if you're on a long-haul flight and you have the benefit of having a meal um, you will often find it will be a relatively spicy affair, and that is also because your taste is more dull. Your taste is dulled when you're in the air, so you need to really enhance the flavours by making things spicier and saltier. Very interesting. I, I therefore hate to know what airplane tastes like yeah. on the ground. <laughs> that, that, that does not sound like an interesting... Hmm. experience. Delicious. Some people love airplane food. I, I'm not really a big fan, I must say. More of a kind of, I'll try and get myself a little uh, avocado, crayfish, uh, pret sandwich, and then I'll tuck into yes. that at 30,000 feet. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. But I, I, I'm also very conscious of not taking on board crisps, which are too smelly. Mm. So I've, le- I've learned the hard way that you don't bring Monster Munch on board, oh. you know, a, se- a seven-hour flight to yeah. to uh, wherever you might be, to Tokyo. It's longer than that. But, yeah, it's more like 11, yeah. 12, isn't it, really, Tokyo? Yeah. You probably get to Florida in seven. I, I, I chose quite an awkward flight length, actually. Yeah. You know, seven hours. Where does seven hours get you? Ethiopia, perhaps. Yeah. Well, I think that's all we've got time for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. As ever, please do give us a like, download, follow or subscription on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your fantastic audio content. We look forward to joining you next week. And as ever, please give us a follow on Instagram where you can find us at earth underscore calling underscore pod. Indeed. And next week, hop on board our spaceship with us as we continue to add to our ever-expanding time capsule and discover the world of a platform known as OnlyFans. Ooh, steamy. Steamy indeed. And if you do not know what OnlyFans is, then you'll just have to wait to find out. Thanks again for joining. Earth out.